Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us in this episode of Taking the Road Less Traveled Through a Disrupted World with David Irvin and myself, Allie Stone. podcast is to have open-hearted, real conversations about our authentic journey through this disrupted time in our world. And we also feel that what we learn from this journey will be able to apply to an emerging new world when we come out the other side. In our commitment to make a difference to difference makers, we want to use this podcast to explore what's happening in this time in our lives and as well as what's happening in the lives of those of you who are committed to making a difference making a difference the authentic way. Now, David's mission is to connect leaders to their authentic selves, which inspires and enables them to have a meaningful impact on their organizations, communities, and even their families. David says leadership at its core is about influence and it has nothing to do with our titles or the letters behind our names or even the sizes of our offices. Leadership is about the capacity to inspire others to action. It truly is about making a difference. And Allie Stone has joined me on this journey as she has a deep understanding of what it means to lead authentically. She has spent the last 15 years of her career exploring what caring leadership looks like and how organizations can be built from the heart and still be truly successful. For Allie, leadership is life. She believes anything involving human connection is all interconnected in the experience of living. And she is passionate about working with other leaders who are inspired to create something similar. It is her belief that sharing her lessons will help other leaders gain deeper insights and understanding as to the infinite possibility that lies ahead for each of us when we connect with our hearts. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Other Everest with David Irvin and Allie Stone. We appreciate you joining us, and we appreciate these conversations each week about what we believe really matters to leadership and to life. Today, we're going to spend some time talking about conflict and what's going on in our world and what's going on in our lives. And it's it's spurred from a from a incident that Ali had when you were working with your general managers this last week. And maybe I'll just get you to kick it off, Ali, about what, what went down that morning. So just give us a little bit of context, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about conflict. <laughs> Sounds good. It was uh, really strange. You know how sometimes conflict arises and you're just not really prepared for it. So um, it was a, it was actually the first time we were all getting back together for our, yeah, a meeting in almost five months. So everybody was really excited. Like everybody was feeling really good. So um, the fact that this conflict arose was really strange for me. I had a hard time connecting that it was happening. But essentially we had hired the Citadel to come in and do a they call it like a traveling roadshow. And because of COVID, it has to be outside, outdoors. And so that's fine. Uh, we have a whole bunch of parking stalls. So we thought, oh, we'll just block them off. We'll do it in there. We won't park our cars in there. So as we were blocking them off, uh, the property manager came by and uh, one of the guys on my team was outside, you know, kind of setting this all up. And the property manager was... <laughs> 
indirectly making comments. <laughs> so, you know, just kind of like walking around and poking the bear rather than actually having a conversation about it uh, to the point where he like really frustrated uh, this guy on my team. And um, yeah, it ended in fifths almost being thrown, <laughs> which was really crazy over just uh, spaces in a parking lot. And um, <laughs> I, it took me a few minutes. I walked by a couple times because they were outside and I was inside. I was like, is something going on? And everybody inside was like, oh no, they're just, they're just chatting. They're fine. I'm like, mm, something doesn't feel, feel right to me. And then I finally realized that they were having an altercation. And when I went outside, it was like running in between the two, <laughs> two of them to stop this from really escalating. And um, I brought it up to you because I just thought it was crazy how quickly conflict can happen and how quickly uh, a miscommunication can escalate to something that in my mind is just so unnecessary, right? Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about conflict today because I feel like I don't like conflict. <laughs> I'm like the diffuser of conflict. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, but I wonder sometimes if um, I need to understand conflict a little more because uh, I was like a little frustrated on both sides, but I also was, yeah, just feeling like, why, you know? Um, and I know people have their reasons, but I couldn't quite wrap my head around <laughs> how this had all transpired over parking stalls, you know? Absolutely. So let me just speak to my own experience about conflict. And then maybe I want to leave the listeners with a little model to help understand conflict. And, and I think, for, well, I, I should say this from my experience, when, when we go through transitions and there's a lot we don't have control over, everything gets magnified. So a little, you said a little thing called parking stalls, in the context of what we've been going through the last six months, mm. um, that little thing can become a big thing. And you know me, I'm emotional and it's what makes me creative and it's what makes me able to teach, but I've been more volatile lately. And particularly when I, when I don't have control, I want control. And so little things that I don't have control over, I'm more susceptible to getting into a stress response and to, and to, and to radiate tension around me. I just notice that about myself. I also know statistically there is more domestic violence right now. There is more conflict that's surfacing in our world. I don't have that verified with a lot of facts, although some of that is being verified around domestic violence. But I know for me, and I, I would just ask our listeners to reflect on where their level of patience and calmness sits these days. And if we're noticing that sometimes when things don't go our way, if we re are reacting more strongly than we usually do. Because, uh, you know, transitions create magnifications. Um, you bring a new boss into a system and if the system is good and functioning well that will be magnified. So so 
good feelings will be magnified during transition. But if there's tension in there already, and it's not a healthy system, you bring any new boss into that system or a new employee into that system. And during the transition, the current system will get magnified. And I certainly know that, and, you know, there's a saying that circumstances don't determine a, ver a person, they reveal a person. And circumstances, when they change and transitions are occurring, the circumstances are magnified because they're shown in, as we say, in technicolor. So my impatience, my um, lack of calmness in stress, my volatility gets magnified during this time. And I suspect that might be true for others. And I would just have people reflect on that. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I think, um, oh man, I'm thinking back to when all of this started and the COVID anyway, all of this craziness. And um, we had to close down our restaurants. And I just remember like literally feeling like somebody took the rug and <laughs> ripped it right out from under my feet. And so many phone calls, so many emails, so many conversations, and I was just done by the end of it, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hold on. And I think sometimes we get into that space too, where we're not caring for ourselves. And um, I think that's when conflict can happen as well. And yeah, I was just losing a grip on, and I'm, I'm an extremely patient person. So anybody that knows me knows I'm, I'm very patient. I, I, a lot of times, you know, if I find myself in conflict, I'll, I'll try really hard to take time to decipher <laughs> what's happening. If I can, if it's not like a pressure of the moment, I will really try to like back out of that because I know the instant response in my brain is like my little crazy brain person wanting to like <laughs> scream at somebody, but I know that's probably not going to move me forward. Right. So I try to like, try to stay calm in those moments, but I mean, oh man, there's been so many times where I haven't. Um, but yeah, I, I was doing a really good job of um, taking care of myself and just taking, giving myself that space uh, to find calm. And uh I've created like a really crazy um, routine since, since COVID and it's gotten a, a lot better, but it didn't change the fact that that, I don't know, that pressure was still there. And I was still felt like I was almost like falling off my chair almost every day and having to pull myself back up and like realign with my patients and realign with why I was doing this and realign with, you know, why I'm a leader, right? So it can be really easy. And so I guess that's why, I, maybe I should say this, I guess that's why conflict, I don't love it because it puts fear in me that I could leave the space of leading and living that I love and find myself somewhere else that I don't like and not be happy about. So I think, I think I'm actually fearful of conflict as much as I say I'm the conflict diffuser. I'm afraid of it. I don't want to be in conflict. And uh, yeah, I know you're going to tell me that that's not the best way <laughs> to be. But I think um, the biggest thing for me is the space for calm and the space to pause in conflict if I can get it. So this is a time that's taking energy from people. I, I don't know about you, but very often I'm tired 
I'm down at three o'clock in the afternoon. And all I've been, I, then I think all I've been doing is sitting in front of a, a computer and doing Zoom calls and it should be easy. I'm not traveling around uh, in airplanes, but the fact is just handling it today and managing the uncertainty, managing my emotions takes energy. So we have to be paradoxically really good to ourselves because the time that's demanding the most from us right now requires that we step back and say, boy, what do I need to do to, to take care of myself in this, in this situation? You know, am I, you know how, it, whether, it, whether it means getting more rest, whether it means making sure that we pay attention when we get into that stress, that fight or flight response. So let me leave a little model that I hope will be helpful. So we, when people get angry, it's what we call a secondary feeling. Anger is secondary. Now think of the ways that people express when they're angry. They can shout, they can get impatient, they can withdraw, they can swear, they can yell, um, they can abuse people, they can be disrespectful to people. Uh, what have I missed? How else do people express it in a secondary, in a, I'm gonna, we'll just call it frustration, anger. Mm -hmm. When you go into a stress response. I think the one, the big one is that they can hurt themselves, whether physically, mentally, emotionally. I think that's huge when we start doing that to ourselves out of anger. 100%. So there's another one. We get self-critical. I know that one very well. And uh, that will lead to depression because it's, it's anger. It's the same emotion, but it goes in as opposed to going out. And oftentimes they'll, we will flip-flop. So I'll lash out if I'm impatient and then I feel guilty and then I go in and then I take the anger inside and it goes back and forth. But what we call that, all of that expression is secondary. And there's a key principle that you will never resolve conflict in a secondary level. Because when I get, for example, if I started to get impatient with you, you know, you've seen my impatient side and you, you will off, you know, you will frequently say to me, Dave, you sound stressed. Well, that's a secondary feeling. And I'm projecting that onto you as impatience. Now you will by nature go into a, secondary level in response to that unless you're really centered and that's what we talk about in our workshop but by by nature we get two people operating at a secondary level so i might yell at you and you might withdraw and then you withdraw and then i yell more and then i get more impatient or you start to um be critical out of out of fear you get critical of me because i'm being critical of you and then we get critical of each other and then we have a fight going on and it escalates, but it's all at a secondary level. It's not at a primary level. It's at a secondary level. And the key principle with conflict is that you will never resolve conflict at a secondary level because it just escalates and feeds. It's like stress will not get responded, will not, you won't deal with stress by getting more stressed. It just perpetuates and the conflict escalates. And it will escalate to where we really hurt each other or ourselves in that process. Yeah. So the, the key thing is to reckon, and, and the more you get into the secondary level with each other, the more you get blind to the fact that you're in the secondary level because you get lost. It's like that experience on that, that morning with your general managers 
when there was that conflict that got raised and it just got out of control and it can get literally out of control. So the key is to recognize that your emotions have taken over and you have to step back. Now, sometimes you have to step back for five minutes. Sometimes you step back, you step back for as long as you need to, to say, you know what? I realize that I'm in a secondary level right now and I need to get out of this situation. So you step away and you begin to look at what's going on on a primary level. Now there are certain fundamental primary emotions that trigger a secondary feeling. So some of the, some of the primary feelings would be fear, would be the primary one, inadequacy, humiliation, shame, um, anger, uh, no, not anger, that's secondary, um, hurt, betrayal, can you think of other primary feelings that accompany potentially, not all of them will, can, will accompany all anger, but there will always be a primary feeling underneath all anger. What are some other potential primary feelings that you've noticed about yourself? Have I missed any there? Uh, just like this feeling of like being outcasted, like the inadequacy, but like not belonging. That's so primal, right? We have this deep need to belong and feel connected disconnection would be a big one worrying that yeah this this anger is is creating you're angry because you're disconnected even sometimes and then you create more disconnection i've seen that a lot i've done that um that would indicate why i 100 percent agree with you that would indicate why there's potentially more anger around these days because of the level of people feeling disconnected from each other you walk out, you, we wear masks now. Um, there's lots of reason to feel disconnected. And that can primarily trigger a secondary response in anger. Any other primary feelings that come to mind for you? I'm not sure if I'm on the right track, but I want to say like sadness and stuff too. Is that in primary? Yeah. Of course, sadness is grief like is, sadness. A, is a primary feeling. 100%. Yeah. So I would say that, um, yeah, I experienced these, like, I don't want to call them less aggressive, but <laughs> more like, they're not even subdued, more uh, calmer emotions when it comes to that. I don't know how to explain it. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't really lash out, right? I get, I just get sad and quiet. <laughs> so that's like my personality. So that's how I'm kind of connecting with it right now. So you could go immediately into it because you are very vulnerable and you're, you've got an open heart. So you might very well go into a, a primary sadness um, in response to some, to, to anger. Mm -hmm. And then you, but, but you just, you want to notice whether there's, when there's anger kind of intermingled in that sadness, but a, a sadness is no question up at a primary level. So the way to resolve anger, and this sounds really easy until I'm in it, but the way to resolve anger is to step back. You might need to, there's nothing wrong with good, healthy anger as long as two people don't hurt each other and they're coming in and respectfully getting mad at each other. A good, healthy fight can sometimes be very invigorating for a relationship as long as it's based on equality and that there's not one person over another that where one person gets hurt. Yeah. 
But the bottom line is if you're, if you're in a secondary level, you step back and get in touch with what the primary feeling is. Now, sometimes you need to process it. We need to talk to somebody and we need to be, oh, I'm so furious at this person. You can process it through the secondary level with somebody that you're not directly angry at. But the goal is to work down to a primary level and then you begin to heal that relationship when you come together at a primary level. You know what? I was feeling sad. Hey, I was feeling left out. I was feeling shamed. I was feeling embarrassed. Um, and that's where my anger was coming from. And then you begin to heal it at a primary level. There's only way that you heal and reconcile is to come down to a primary level. If you've got a partner who's not yet at a primary level, um, you can listen and hold the space and help move them down to a primary level. But if they're not willing to come down to a primary level, you cannot stay in that situation. You just have to step back until both parties can come together and be at a primary level. And you won't reconcile a relationship unless both people do that. You can reconcile it within yourself if you can bring it down to a primary level within yourself. Now, underneath the primary level are primary needs. So then the goal would be that you identify after you get to the primary emotion and, and get supported and respected through the primary feelings, then look at what's underneath those. What are my needs? What do I need from you? What do you need from me? Let's negotiate that. And then you negotiate for a future interaction. That's, that's how you begin to heal. Not that you put demands on others to meet your needs, but that you hold the space for this is what I'm needing in this relationship. And when you get down to a needs level, you negotiate that. That's a, even a deeper level of reconciliation. Does that speak to you? It does, yeah. And I'm thinking how important it is when, especially for me, when I find myself in conflict and I want to respond from, I don't know, <laughs> a high emotion state, let's say, um, seeking to understand is huge. So just like taking the time to try and really listen for what those primary um, feelings might be in the other person, help me connect and figure out how to move forward in that. Because it's not, always, like you said it right at the start, it's not always easy to identify and so if you can help somebody else move there too, I think that that's really powerful as a leader. If you can that, identify that. That is 100% powerful. And what you're talking about there is empathy. When, and when I, can, when I can step away from the anger and I can connect with that part in me that knows sadness, then I can begin to connect that part in you. Hey, what are you feeling at yeah. this time? Yeah. And, and it could be that I don't even get triggered by your anger, but you get angry and I can, but I can support you through your anger by seeing if I can be empathic around what those primary feelings are. Now, you may not be bloody ready to get into, don't talk to me about my bloody primary feelings. I'm just too angry right now. Well, you know what? Then we just need to give each other some space. Now, it could be that I could listen to your anger and just hold the space for you as long as you don't you're not disrespectful and attacking to me then yeah. i have to step away but it's possible that in five minutes if people really own their anger it doesn't you don't need to stay there long if you're with a compassionate person with goodwill you can you can support through empathy down to helping somebody get to that primary level but don't expect it to happen immediately 
sometimes you need space to process it, need to get away from it, need to sleep on it, need to, sometimes you just need to eat because you do not want to res- we don't want to resolve this stuff when you're hungry or when you're tired. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you really have to respect the fact that biologic, this is a biological response, a stressor, uh, a fight or flight response. It's a para, it's a sympathetic response. And when you get into that response at an angry level, you have to respect the fact that this is not a good time to get down to a primary level. I think one of the most powerful lessons I learned as a leader early on was that I didn't have to respond, right? My industry is very fast paced and a lot of people will come to you with their problems, looking for a solution really quickly and like firing off. And um, I, at the, in the beginning, I felt like I had to respond. I had to be there. I had to help, not necessarily find an answer, but help them find an answer. And I was exhausted all the time. And I always share that now with leaders when I hear them expressing that. I'm like, you have every right to take a moment or take a day as long as you're honest with them about what you need to help them find that answer, right? They don't have to. Other people sometimes get in and kind of control that for us. And that can spur on those secondary emotions as well, too. So I think that that's something to think about as well. Yes. And I mean, this is something that we keep learning about that I know that you experienced me the other day in a stress response. And it wasn't the time for us to have a conversation that I needed to just step back from it and get my own space and sort out, hey, what am I really feeling underneath my frustration right now, which was secondary? What are my needs? And, and I made a mistake about doing that. And I, and, and I know that for me, I have to be very careful. I think it helps to develop a language around this. One of the pieces of language that we have used, right? You and I is the F state when we're in the F state, when we're freaking out, right? Yeah. Um, hey, I'm in the F state right now and I, I wanna move to the C state, but I'm not ready to do that right now. But we're not gonna have a conversation until I can get into the C state and I can be in a relaxed place where I'm, if I'm in a stress response, I will not, it will not end well because yeah. I, I am blind to how disrespectful I can be to people. I'm blind to um, how uh, impatient I can be because to me, it just feels like I'm just venting, but it's really, it can really be destructive. So we, we need to really support each other to stay in that, that, uh, that have developed some language around this. And you're absolutely correct that you can, you can try to hold the space for people, but you have to realize that not everybody can deal with it just because I'm in a, relaxed place and I can be, doesn't mean I can fix you because yeah. you know you may not be ready to come down to that level. Yeah. And I think you kind of already alluded to this for sure. And, but it's really important to remember that that is, that is primal, that is biological, that um, sympathetic response when that fires off in your body, <laughs> you cannot see past it. And that's why if I tie this to the other side, it's so important to have a very good self-care routine for yourself that carves out space for quiet and calm so that when you are there, you know that there is a space on the other side that you can go to to try and work through those things as soon as you can kind of get that response to come back down. And the more you practice that, the quicker that response actually slows for you too so there's there's really cool science behind that 
um, that you could look up that would be very empowering to know about as well, because when you understand something is biological, sometimes that helps you work through it a little better too. It brings a level of acceptance. Yeah. It brings a level of acceptance that uh, this is not judging. This is a, compa nope. the more compassion, the more judgment we bring in actually fuels the uh, sympathetic response and can uh, fuel more anger. Yeah, absolutely. You find, um, you know, when, when your emotions gets, you run, you know, when your emotions go high, what do you find as a, as a way, because I think you have to really have this plan in place before you get stressed. What, what kind of is your plan, Allie, when you start to feel stressed? What do you do with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do a couple of things. Uh, they're going to sound so simple and silly, but I breathe. So uh, as soon as I get stressed or I get put in a, a situation that's making me angry or giving me anxiety or whatever, I stop breathing. And so I just kind of realized uh, that at some point. And so I try to remind myself to take a breath and I have a really simple three breaths <laughs> process that nobody would even know <laughs> that I was doing that um, it actually just, it truly soothes your sympathetic nervous system. It, it actually calms that effect. So if I can get that even down just a notch, I can get some thoughts through and get back on track, right? So the whole goal is to bring that response down as much as I can so that I can get back on track to what I'm doing. Cause it's usually in a high pressure moment, right? Today I was in, I was in a, a coaching call and the uh, woman I was coaching uh, just laid some really intense stuff on the table and I'm fine with that, but she really triggered a response in me because I've been through it. <laughs> and as a coach, you're not, you're really supposed to be there for them. And I was, I was like, in my mind, I was like, hang on, Allie, <laughs> you're going for a ride here, right? Cause this, this, is, this coaching session is not about you and it's okay to share at the end, you know, if she wants to know a little bit about me, but right now I need to help her. But I was being so triggered by, you know, my experiences in my life and I, my immediate response was, oh my God, I'm not gonna be able to do this for her. <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to help her through this, but I know how important this is. And I went into panic. And so, yeah, I breathed and I pulled myself through it and, and we had a great session. It was amazing, but um, yeah, they'll come on like that too. <laughs> so you consciously stop and breathe. Now it would be really good if we could have a relationship where we could remind each other yeah. when I'm angry, Dave, just stop and take a breath. Unfortunately, when I'm angry, I'm not really receptive, but I have a responsibility to learn to be receptive, that yeah. that is not a judgment statement. That is a support statement that we have the goodwill in our relationship to support each other when we're in that high stress space. Yeah. And you've got to work out a plan like this when you're not stressed. You can't work it out when you are stressed and then be really intentional on bringing it down and working it out for me in the context of what we talked about today is to bring it down to a primary level. When you take a deep breath, what you're really doing is getting out of that parasympathetic or that, sorry, that sympathetic response, that stress fight or flight, excuse me, you're getting it out of that and down to a primary level. Hey, what's really going on here? Yeah. And even if you can't connect with the primary level, let's not hurt each other at yeah. the secondary level. Yeah. 
That's the most important thing. And the primary level can come later. Totally. We both keep wanting to say parasympathetic, but that's where we want to live is parasympathetic people. <laughs> that's the calm state. That's the great place to be. It's where you make the best decisions. It's where, you know, your mind functions at its uh, highest capacity. It's where creativity happens. It's where all of these beautiful things happen for us. So the more we can tap into that zone, the happier and more fulfilled we'll be in our lives too. Thank you so much for joining us once again for another episode of The Other Everest. It's our mission to continue to bring you engaging, heartwarming, and inspiring content. So if you have any feedback or suggestions, please feel free to visit davidirvin.com at any time, as we would love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please rate it or subscribe or simply share the episodes with people you know who would also enjoy this conversation. Authentic leaders create ripples in time. Those ripples extend to generations yet unborn. And it's not just impact in the here and now, but impact in here and forever. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for being a part of this journey with us. Until we meet again.